Well, good morning and welcome to the Team Glacken Monday Morning Motivational Call. This is Senior Master Coordinator Jennifer Glacken. I'm going to be your moderator and host for today's call. Every single Monday we come together as a team to get our business off on the right foot. And I actually was at a business conference last week and they were talking about something that they called the Hawthorne Theory. And I was, you know, eager to hear a new theory and so I had my pen and paper out. And they said that the Hawthorne theory was that people work harder when someone is looking over their shoulder. And I had to kind of chuckle because every single Monday morning, you guys who've been on consistently hear me always say that the blessing and the curse of a Shackley business is that we don't have a boss. So the blessing is that we get to work for ourselves, we get to work from home, we get to choose our hours, all those good things. But the curse is that we don't have somebody looking over our shoulder, holding us accountable, forcing us, so to speak, to do the things that we need to do to build our successful Shackley business. So there's actually a theory out there called the Hawthorne Theory that focuses on this exact same thing, and they use it in the workplace and out in the business world, but it's the same thing for us. And so we've got to stay connected, we've got to stay plugged in and to the tools and the things that are out there that um, are going to help us grow our business. So the Monday and the Saturday calls are one of those things. Um, the Tuesday night webinar and Facebook Live, which is the health and wealth presentation, those are also a fantastic thing for you to invite people to. And don't forget the Team Glacken Leadership Summit that's coming up on January 18th in Chicago. We have some fantastic speakers. For those of you who are on the call Saturday, you've already heard this. I'm just going to briefly run through it again. But we have Jeff Pearson coming from the home office. There's some tweaks and some updates that are coming to the Shackley Compensation Plan, I've heard. And so we are hoping that those will be done by January and that he will be able to share those because I've heard they're very exciting. So I'm quite, I can't wait for everybody to hear the details. We also have um, Dr. Daggy, Dr. Bruce Daggy. Those of you who remember Dr. Daggy, he has retired from his full-time job with Shackley, but he's doing some consulting and doing some educational talks. And so he was willing to Skype in from California. He didn't want to fly into Chicago. So he's going to Skype in or Zoom in, actually, um, and do a half-hour Shackley difference talk for us. And then last but certainly not least um, is Jason Tyne. And the more I've had a chance to get to know Jason, he is just a phenomenal trainer, um, really, really good with personality styles, really, really good with understanding the audience and who he's talking to. And he has partnered with a woman named Sherry Tree, who wrote the book Bank Code, Why They Are Understanding Why They Buy. And so he's the president of the, the direct sales arm of the company. He'll be coming and speaking, and there's going to be some role plays and just some very applicable things to Shackley that will really help us to understand why people buy and how, and how people make buying decisions so that we can help people along that path from a business perspective and a customer perspective. So glackenhealth.com, use the events tab, and you can find the login information, and you can order your tickets that way. So on to our topic today. We are on to overcoming under-earning part two. I know you guys were all probably mm -hmm. wondering when part two was going to happen since we had started with part one, but we are going to do part two of overcoming under-earning today. And we're going to start with um, a checklist that I want to – I'm going to read through the checklist. It's, it's a little long, but it really helps you to identify if you have a challenge with money, so to speak, and if you have a challenge with this whole thought of, over, of actually of under-earning and being comfortable in that under-earning sphere. So as I say these things, if it applies to you, just jot it down, okay? So I'm going to read a couple. I'm going to read a bunch of statements here, and if it applies to you, if you believe it, then jot it down. So the first one, deep down, 
I believe someone or something will rescue me. Deep down, I believe someone or something will rescue me. Number two, someone else handles all my financial decisions. Someone else handles all my financial decisions. Number three, I rarely balance my checkbook. I rarely balance my checkbook. Number four, I forget to record checks I've written. I forget to record checks I've written. Next one, I don't know the total amount of my debt. I don't know the total amount of my debt. I don't have a savings account. I don't have a savings account. I can only pay the minimum monthly credit card payment. I can only pay the minimum monthly credit card payment. I have less than two months living expenses in the bank. I have less than two months living expenses in the bank. I worry about money a lot. I worry about money a lot. Now, I'm going to stop there. There's actually a bunch more, but I don't want to spend our entire time talking about this checklist. But this is a problem indicator checklist. The statements that you believe are your troublemakers. And if they're not causing you problems now, they eventually will. This is according to Barbara Stanny in her book, Overcoming Under Earnings, it's the five-step plan to a richer life. I'm going to just pause since I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, because when I did this checklist, there were some things that jumped out at me. And so I'm just assuming that there were some things that might have jumped out at you as we were going through some of those items. Is there anything anybody would like to say about what we just read through? Any thoughts about it so far? Any thoughts about it doesn't have to be anything deeply personal, but any thoughts about what we just walked through? Jennifer, it's Laureen. Hi there. Good morning. I think one of the most powerful things about uh, what you shared this morning, I guess it's coming from the book, is whether we're going through it or not, or obviously I'm, I'm sure we can identify with something on this list, right? But right. to really acknowledge that this is so real and and lots of people can be going through, you know, um, uh, identifying with these statements, which I think is very powerful. It is. And it's, and it's shocking in a sense because we really don't get a whole lot of financial training growing up. We either get financial training from our parents, and then if you, did, if you went into an economics field, you probably got a little bit of financial training. But a lot of people have no idea how to budget. They have no idea how to plan for the future, don't know how to save. There's a lot of people that are just financially struggling out there. Any other comments or thoughts about the ones that we went through so far? So what do you guys think oh. are some of the – oh, go ahead. Is somebody going to say something? I'm sorry. It's Laureen again. It's just you know, like what you said. A lot of us aren't taught, and financial literacy is such a powerful Thing to, to know and to, to be connected to, and um, it's just shining the light on it is uh, it's very eye-opening. It is, and I think when we look at Shackley, we talk so much about you know, people reaching their dreams and people using Shackley as the vehicle to change their financial future, 
And yet if we don't teach some of the fundamentals of what a financial future could look like for folks, there's a lot of folks who are going to continue to make more money but have it go out as fast as it comes in. And I think, um, you know, one of the questions about having how many months' worth of living expenses do we have, and I was always taught by my parents that you needed to have at least six months' worth of living expenses in the bank in a cash form so that if something ever happened that you'd have six months' worth of living expenses. And that was outside of a savings account. So that's always been sort of my mantra in my head is, you know, achieving that amount and making sure that I had that money set aside. Um, that's not what everybody's learned. Not everybody's even able to have a savings account. And so one of the things I was teaching my kids the other day because, you know, young teens, they're, they're you know, trying to, they're living a little bit of shackly paycheck to shackly paycheck. And that, you know, learning how to pay the bills and learning how to make sure that they are um, still having money left over at the end of the month. We were talking about the whole concept of paying yourself first, you know, making sure even if it's just $25, putting money into savings first so that you take care of your payments of yourself first because we all tend to spend the money that we have. And so if there's always money left over at the end of the month, people are probably spending it and probably spending it on things they don't necessarily need. So let's talk a little bit about what do you think some of the traits are of someone who is an under-earner? And so this isn't talking about any of us specifically, and if you feel like you're an under-earner, that, that we're not asking you to share anything and divulge anything um, deeply intimate here. So what do you think would be some of the traits of someone who is an under-earner? And I'll just start with one. I think under-earners talk as if they're trapped. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the money to do that. So they talk as if they're trapped. What would you guys say is another trait of an under-earner? I would say don't put value on their time. Mm, yes, absolutely. Who else would add something? I would say they settle. They, they're like, you know, things aren't that bad. I'm doing better and, you know, comparing and saying, well, I'm doing better than them and, you know, just kind of settling and comparing yourself with others instead of comparing yourself with what you could potentially be doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very important one. Very important. Who else has a thought about a trait of an under earner? I think there's one a belief and assertiveness because when mm-hmm. we don't ask for what we feel is the value or we don't even believe the value that we have and we ask for less, we're always going to under earn and Mm -hmm. um, you have to kind of go for more to get what you want. Right. What are some other thoughts about traits of an under earner? One of the ones that I'm going to share that I think is a really important one to think about is that under-earners are very vague about money and success. And so when you're talking to people on your team and they're really vague about what they want out of their business, they're vague about how much they want to earn, they're vague about their success and what type of a goal they're shooting for, that tends to be a trait of an under-earner. And some of it's because they really don't understand sort of the value to the money but they also sort of dig their head or bury their head in the sand and they don't learn the compensation plan. They don't learn how they get paid. 
because if they learn how they get paid, then they have to actually figure out the work they have to do to get the income. You know, it's sort of all tied together. And so those are some traits of some under-earners. Anybody else have a thought about a trait of an under-earner? That's a really good one shared here. How about self-sabotage? Do you think under-earners self-sabotage? I'd say, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, yeah. They do. They definitely do. And some of that could be in terms of closing a sale. You know, so I, I think about some of the folks um, who have, you know, they look at whatever the, the, the package is that they're trying to promote or sell. Let's just say it's a youth kit, for example, or the, the Prove It Challenge. And some people think, oh, my gosh, $159 is so much money. And so then they're going to self-sabotage by, even as they present the product, talking to it to their prospect as if it's so much money and you don't have to buy all of these pieces together because it's so much money, you know, instead of letting the people decide for themselves whether or not they can afford to buy the Prove-It Challenge. And for some of us, you know, the Prove-It Challenge $159 is nothing. And for other people, it's a lot of money. And so sometimes we get in our own way, and I think that the under-earners definitely get in their own way and self-sabotage some of those sales. Any other thoughts about the traits of an under-earner? I would say lack self-confidence. Yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely. How about thinking that you can catch up by... Um, just doing less or having less or buying less rather than mm. figuring a way out. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, yep. Well, it's sort of the, the scarcity or the abundant thinking, right? So I'll do less, I'll have less, I'll do with less versus I will make more so that I can have more so that I can do more. You know, there's sort of two sides of that coin, the abundant side and the scarcity side, and I think those are things to definitely look at for ourselves and which side are we falling on more often than not. One of the things that Barbara Stanny does in her book is she gives out, um, some statements that are important for anybody who is going to be a, a, a high earner and earn what they are worth. And there's a couple of things that they will do. And so you might want to take notes on this one as well. I think these are important, and we can talk about this as, after I walk through them. So the first one is, I am clear on my financial goals. And then the statement behind it says, they are. And so obviously writing down the financial goals. What are your financial goals? The second statement, I know my net worth, and it is blank. The third statement, I have no credit card debt. If I do have credit card debt, the total is, and so obviously working towards no credit card debt is the way to go. The fourth statement, I have enough savings to live on for three to six months. The amount is, I'm actually jotting down the amount so that you're very clear that you know how much it takes for you to live on a monthly basis. 
The next statement, I have money invested in a retirement account. How much do you have and how, where is it invested? I have investments outside of a retirement account, and they are? This is, a, this is a good one here. I understand the investments I own. I know a lot of people put all their money in with a broker and don't really have any idea what's happening with that money. The next statement, I will have enough money to live on in retirement. I have a will. And the last statement, I know where all my financial documents and records are. So these are all statements that come from somebody who is a high earner. So if we're working in that direction, if we're working to get out of the over, if we're trying to overcome under earnings, so to speak, we would want to be able to clearly answer all of these questions. So is there anything that came up for you guys as I was going through these topics, these these statements? I think, Jennifer, when we don't focus on something is, we we tend to ignore it, like right. So if we're not or we're not sure how to deal with it, then we just don't look at it. And so, mm-hmm. not knowing where investments are, not knowing how much money you need, I think it's kind of a way of coping or dealing with it is just not dealing with it. Right. Right. And yet, it's usually never as scary as it seems. And I think that's a trait of an under earner also is that they're really scared of money. They fear the whole conversation. They fear the whole idea of finances. And so they sort of bury their head in the sand. Whereas if you just sit down and you say, okay, this is how much money I I need to earn, or this is how much money I want to have in savings, or, you know, whatever the topic is that you're looking at, having understanding where you're at and where you're trying to go, then you can get a game plan in place. You don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're at. You have no idea what you're working towards. What else came up when I was reading through those statements of somebody who is a high earner? Well, there's a lot of clarity around high earners. They're clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. And maybe that's just a distinction right there, Laureen, about a high earner versus an under earner. That high earners are very clear, understand exactly where they are financially, and an under earner isn't. They live in a little bit of a financial chaos world. I think, too, that this is Sharon, that a lot of it is, you know, dancing around that fear base that an under earner um, very much more based on a out of a fear-based mindset. I know that that mm-hmm. is something that I have uh, significantly struggled with based on my story and who I am and digging out of that. Right. Hi, well, Jennifer. Hi, Hey, I was going to add that um, I think it influences you, like, who your friends are, you know, based on mm-hmm. your own understanding of your finances and stuff like like many people hang together and you know I think once you really start getting a handle on becoming closer to achieving you know even more um, your friendships change Mm, right well if they say that the five people that you hang around the most you take the average of their earnings that's about where you're at 
And so who are we hanging around? Are we hanging around high earners? Are we hanging around under earners? Are we hanging around people who have an abundant mindset around finances? Or are we hanging out with people who have a scarcity mindset around finances? That's going to really impact us overall. Um, one of the first laws of investing that Barbara Stanley puts in her book, and this is specifically related to investing, it says the first law of investing is never, ever put money in anything you don't understand, whether it's stock, a bond, or a market, or the market itself. And, and you think about how many people have 401Ks or IRAs, and they have no idea what's going on with that money. They don't even understand where the money's invested whether it's a small cap, whether it's a large cap, whether it's international, whether it's, you know, here in the States. I mean, there's just so many different pieces. But that's the first law is making sure you understand it. So I have a scenario for everybody, and then we can discuss this scenario. So say you've just gotten a $1,000 bonus. You're smart enough to save it, so you put it in the bank where the return is guaranteed and it earns about 2%. In about 20 years, your original investment adjusted for inflation will be worth a grand total of $500. And that's assuming inflation doesn't rise above 3%. But instead, if you had invested and sent that $1,000 to a, start, a stock mutual fund earning 10% and never add one cent to it, in 20 years you'd be looking at over $6,000. Big difference. However, if you're an under earner, you would probably spend the money. What is the smartest thing to do? Hmm. I think we probably know what the smartest thing to do is, right? Put the money into a stock mutual fund where you're going to earn some money, and don't even if you don't even add anything to it, you're going to actually earn more than what you started with, or you should earn more than what you started with. But too often, the under-earner looks at the money and says, i got a $1,000 bonus, I've got some bills to pay, or I've got this situation or that situation, and they tend to spend the money versus figuring out even a way to save a portion of it. Maybe they aren't going to save all of it, but even just saving a portion of it can be really impactful. So this is the second time that we've discussed overcoming under-earning. And I know the first time that we had the discussion, I had a lot of side conversations with folks and coaching calls where people were talking about really the impact that it was having on them, just sort of thinking through where they're at. What are some things that you guys would share about maybe, is there anything that you've changed in your thinking since we started the discussion on overcoming under earnings? Is there anything that you might change after this conversation from what you've heard? Hey, Jennifer. Hey. It's learning. One of the one of the things I've done since the call is I've been recording everything I spend in a day and everything that's coming in. So that's been going on the last six weeks. Excellent. Has that helped you in any way? Have you Does it help you to see maybe where money's going that it shouldn't be going? Absolutely. And it also, it just, it creates that clarity and, I mean, I've always had an idea, you know, I, I pretty much know what I bring in and what's going out. But to, to really just look at it every day, it kind of takes the, um, there's no doubt. Like, you can just see it. And the clarity is helping me a lot. Good.
Anyone else have any comments since the last time we talked to now or anything that you think you're going to do differently after just even this conversation? Hi, Jennifer. It's Trista again. Hi. Uh, I actually um, downloaded the book right after our last call, and I've been reading it. And what I've started doing is I actually put trackers, like alerts, on my bank account so that, like, when money is spent, I know right away. And I go and I look at my accounts on a daily basis. Um, I've also been studying credit and how that works, you know, because we're, you know, going to be buying another house in the next year building. So I'm like, I want us to have, like, the best credit score possible. And I think the biggest thing I've been doing is saying no to my kids. Because <laughs> normally it's like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm like, wait, I don't have to say yes. Like, they're teenagers. They can make their own money, you know. And even my little guy, like, I don't need to say yes. Like, it's my money and I can choose how to spend it. And so those are kind of like the main things I really have taken out of this, just learning about, you know, um, under earning and stuff. So this has been really, really valuable in my life. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm glad it's been valuable. That's awesome. Who else would share anything that you've either learned or something you'll take away from today? Jennifer, Linda, Courtney here. Um, One thing that we have really, I wouldn't say enjoyed doing, but it's certainly been helpful. We do have a box where we put all of our uh, receipts in, uh, in the kitchen. And that, that helps us to sort out where the money's going. It also helps when you're in the store looking at something and you think, well, this is going to have to go in the box. Um, the other thing that um, came to mind is um, the first statement, I'm clear on financial goals, they are. I love that if you don't know the Shackley, Corp, um, the Shackley Compensation Plan spells that out clearly so you can borrow that clarity from, from working your Shackley business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anything anyone else would like to share? Okay, I'm going to read you just one little segment from the book and give you guys a journaling exercise for the next week. So Barbara Sandy says here, when you get right down to it, there's only one thing that stands between your decision to make more money and actually having it. It's not your job, your children, your spouse, your age, your gender, your lack of credentials, or whatever you think it was. Your biggest barrier is fear. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. Fear is normal. We all have it. Fear is the natural reaction to real or perceived danger. But the operative word here is perceived. So the journaling exercise is to journal your response to this, this one question. If you were not acting out of fear, what would you do? So you can take that in any different direction you'd like it to go. It can be about your Shackley business. It can be about your finances. It could be about anything. So I'll read you the question again. If you were not acting out of fear, what would you do? And so hopefully when we come back together again to talk about overcoming under earnings, that will be something that we can have more of a discussion on. If there's anything that pops up for you and you want to share it with the group, you're more than welcome to do that. We always have the Team and Facebook page where people can share and also on these calls. And you can always call me personally as well. 
So I hope you guys have a fabulous Shackley Day. I hope for those of you who are in the middle of this snowstorm that you stay safe and warm. And for those of you sitting on the sunny uh, back porch down in Florida, enjoy your day. Um, We'll be together same time, same place next Monday. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye now.